You know, sometimes when I think about the Christian life and the way we live, I wonder if we're missing it. I wonder if I'm missing it. There's this awesome, holy, huge, magnificent God. And he made every single molecule in the universe from the tiniest cell to the biggest planets and asteroids. And you and I are on this small ball of dirt that we call Earth that God made orbiting at 67,000 miles per hour around an average size star we call the sun that God made. And even though it's just an average size star, if we hollowed it out, 1.3 million Earths would be able to fit in that sun. And that God who's making the oxygen we are breathing along with the lungs that we are breathing it with looks at every one of us and says, I love you, I see you, I made you, I know you. And how do we respond to that kind of invitation? We spend maybe 15 minutes a day to pray, read the Bible, between checking emails. We try not to curse, at least the bad curse words. We go to church service once, maybe twice a month, and some of us, some of us even walk away. And I'm not trying to guilt anyone, but I feel like just that doesn't sound right. Or even worse, some of us try to earn it on our own. And I know I did. I just started working here at Grace last November, but this has been my home church for about 11 years. I've been leading worship for a very long time, since 1997. And the church in Boston down the street from us hired me to be at my very first church job in 2005 as their associate minister and worship leader. Now, sidebar, shout out to Bridgeway 242, Mark Anderson, who attends Grace. You were part of that leadership team that chose a 20-year-old that knew everything, or at least he thought he did, but he really knew nothing. And I'm forever grateful to you guys for setting me on that path. So thank you, Bridgeway. After a few years of doing that and graduating college, H.U. Howard University, guys. I was feeling a little burnt out and found Grace Church where I started volunteering and helping out. Then after having a regular job at Verizon Wireless in Reston for a year, even though I was very successful, I felt like I wasn't adding anything to the kingdom. I mean, what's more fleeting than selling a technology that's already outdated the moment it's put on your hands like a phone? So with the approval of my most amazing wife, I quit that steady job in Verizon. We packed up our 2002 Honda Civic with only the essentials and drove cross-country to California to be in a church residency program with their worship team at a big church called Saddleback Church in 2011. Now, if you're not in the church world, back then it was really a big deal to be able to work at Saddleback. I mean, they were one of the first megachurches in America. Um, I think that means you have more than 2,500 people in your service. Rick Warren, who leads... The church there uh, was called America's Pastor. He wrote Purpose Driven Life and is one of the smartest, most genuine and gentle people that I know. And I got to sit at the feet of my heroes and listen to them. Matt Redman, Francis Chan, Stephen Curtis Chapman, and so many other people on the Saddleback staff who poured into me and loved both of us so, so well. Then the year after that, We moved to Connecticut and helped the worship team and church there grow for almost four years or so. 
And then after that, we moved to a church in Boston, which, funny enough, was also called Grace and grew a team and a church there for about five years. I gotta tell you, I was, I was killing it, man. I read like a hundred books a year and that's not an exaggeration. I have record of that. <laughs> I helped plant six churches and trained and led their worship teams. I wrote a couple of songs that the church up there loved. I led worship in, and classes in worship conferences there. I trained and mentored worship leaders all over New England. I had made it in the worship leader industry. And then COVID happened. And I'm sure you guys can relate, but for months I felt useless. I mean, when your job involves meeting with people at restaurants or being in crowds and, and all of that stops, that thing messes you up, man. I mean, what was I supposed to do now? What's more, with all the talk of essential workers, I saw how unessential I was. And that's that's not being modest. I mean, you want to learn more about worship leadership? They got books for that, podcasts. In fact, I stole most of my ideas from them. And now that COVID is here, you actually have time to read their work. You want good music? Well, there's this thing called YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, where you can find professional musicians who just sound perfect. And here I was, floundering, feeling ever so worthless. I did spend 130 hours perfecting my Animal Crossing island on my Switch, so (laughs) I guess that's something. But then it hit me. I have literally been trying to hustle God into loving me. And when I couldn't do the things that made me feel worthy to God, then I wasn't useful in his kingdom. And if I wasn't useful in his kingdom, then, then of course I was no longer welcome. So I also have missed it. I mean, really, how can a human being ever make up to anything that the God of the universe has ever done? That just seems silly and useless and futile. Psalm 139 says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Now, I don't know about you, man, but this kind of freaks me out. It's kind of like a creepy Santa Claus, you know? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. (laughs) Except this is a good God. And as big and powerful as he is, What a great thing that we are seen by that being. We are more than just noticed. And he not only knows us, our words, our thoughts, our habits, he actually made us. Verse 13 says, for you, God, formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. So the God who knows your future, your past, your struggles, your strengths, your weaknesses, your deepest longings and darkest secrets and habits before you even took a breath in this world still made you and chose you to exist. You think God is surprised by your struggle? 
by your addiction, by your weaknesses. He knew all of that and still decided to make you and decided today to wake you up this morning. And this alone is why we should praise him, but it doesn't stop there. Zephaniah 3 verse 17 says, the Lord your God is with you. He is the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer punish you. Instead, he will sing for joy because of you. Now, how does it feel that God doesn't only know your inmost parts, but that our God sings for joy because of you? It doesn't say he sings for joy because you volunteer or a good person or preach or go to church. It says God sings for joy because of you, not because of anything you've done or haven't done. Now, I have a 16-month-old son. His full name is Caleb Juan Leone Mappa. And for some reason, Filipinos don't call their kids by their first first name. So we call him by his second first name, which is Juan. Juani boy. Man, I love this kid. The first night when he was crying at night, I couldn't help but sing these words with him. If I had words to make a day for you, I give you a morning golden and true. I would make this day last for all time and give you a night deep in moonshine. That's from that pig movie, babe. And I sing that to him. He hasn't paid any rent. In fact, he's very expensive and costly, not just with money, but with time. But as soon as I saw him and he grabbed my finger, there's literally nothing he can do that will make me love him less. It's actually the opposite. Everything he does makes me love him more. Whenever he does something new, I cheer, I clap, I dance. And if that's the joy I feel, being an imperfect dad, I can't imagine what God cheers and songs sound like. And I know that someday he's probably going to hurt me deep. Though I hope that I never give him any daddy issues. But my favorite moments of the day is when Juan crawls on me while I'm on the couch and just lays there to take a break from playing. But do you know why I love this kid? Not because he can do anything, because he can't. I love Juan because he's mine. And God loves you because you're his. Period. You know, I think God is less concerned about using us than more concerned about us loving him. God doesn't care what I've done in New England. God doesn't care if I ever lead music ever again. But God cares about me being his child. So after months of really finding my worth in the things I couldn't do anymore during COVID, I tried something. I, I stopped. I stopped striving. I stopped reading. I stopped writing, mentoring. Anything I felt was extra work. You know what? Two things happened. The people I was mentoring kept going and growing without me. And I realized that I'm not that important. And that is so freeing. You know, I don't think Christians are meant to be powerful or even influential. I, I just think they're just meant to love people. And I'm still trying to stop things. Recently, I shut my Instagram down for now. 
and I'm legit feeling withdrawal. I mean, if I ate this delicious looking food and no one's around to see it, did I really enjoy it? That's the philosophical question of our time. But I'm learning that my worth isn't in what I do or on whether or not my digital acquaintances approve of what I eat or post. My worth and your worth was already measured on the cross. It is finished. So why are we still trying to earn it? Once our perspective changes from God's employee or God's soldier to God's child, then we can truly live in the life that God wants for us. And I repeat, you, me, we don't have to do anything. Romans 5 verse 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I love the words, but God. It's like we first thought something and then something else happened. A lot of times I feel like I have to perform for God. I have to be good enough, so I have to do these things. But God showed his great love for us. I have to be better. But God, I'm not as good as or as smart as. But God, I'm not as talented as so-and-so. But God, I'm not as tall as a lot of people. But God, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's crazy to me. What thought in your mind do you need for God to butt in? And I declare that God's butt is big enough for whatever problem you have. God's butt is big. Hashtag Joe out of context. The reality is that God loves us as we are, not as we should be, because none of us are as we should be. Hear that. God loves us as we are, not as we should be, because none of us are as we should be. Take this in. God loves you as you are, not as you should be, because you are not where you should be. And that's okay. There's a story of a son. He's about two to three years old, toddler age, and every work night he waits for his dad. Now his dad has a very, very interesting nightly routine. He gets home, he kisses his wife, kisses his son, goes to the kitchen, grabs a plate and the cup, gets two cookies and a glass of milk, sits on the chair in the living room for five minutes and enjoys it. Monday, kiss, kiss, kitchen, plate, cup, cookies, milk, chair, Tuesday, kiss, kiss, kitchen, plate, cup, cookies, milk, chair. Wednesday, kiss, kiss, kitchen, plate, cup, cookies, milk, chair. Every single day. Now one day, when the son's dad comes home, he stops him in his tracks, leads him into the kitchen and says, Daddy, wait right here. So he tries to reach for the plate, but it I mean, he's short. So he comes up with a brilliant idea. He pulls the drawers out so they can become stairs, which I know as parents, we let them do, right? He climbs onto the kitchen counter, reaches for a plate and a cup, puts two cookies on the plate and climbs back down. Now, 
when he's climbing, he can't have those things in his hands so, while he's climbing down. So, so they all fall to the ground, but thank the Lord they don't break. He picks the cookies back up and puts them on the plate that's on the floor. Then he opens the fridge. He grabs the gallon of milk, but oh my goodness, he can't carry it. So it spills to the ground. Milk is all over the kitchen, still determined like the Care Bears, while the milk was being spilled out, he puts the cup under it and just fills a quarter cup and throws the milk away. He takes the plate of dirty cookies and the cup of milk, well, let's say quarter cup of milk, and offers it to his dad with the biggest smile on his face and says, here, daddy. And the dad bends down, kisses and hugs his son the dad is blessed. The dad is so full of joy. And he's not blessed because of what his son did. In fact, his son made a mess that he has to clean up later. But the dad is blessed because his son loves him. So it doesn't matter what you can or can't do. God loves you because you're his. Full stop. And the amazing thing is, for some reason... God is blessed by what we do with him. Whatever offerings we can do, he's still blessed. And what an amazing joy it is that all God wants from us is us, nothing else. I would venture to guess that that dad would have been so happy if his son just sat with him while he was eating milk and cookies. So what does God want you to do with that? You know what God's great and grand plan for you is? To be his child. That's it. All God wants is to spend time with you. And whatever comes from that, it will come. So at least for me, I know that I remember songs way more than sermons. So the crux of Christianity and of this message is this here. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so Little one to him belong We are weak but our God is strong Jesus 
loves me the bible tells me so the bible tells me so